searching for something. I was looking for a story that maybe I knew a little about, uh, maybe never heard of, and uh, just doing a, a quick Google search. I kind of searched for, you know, lesser known stories in the Bible or something to that effect and or stuff that doesn't get preached on as often, that kind of deal. And uh, I stumbled across a HUD in the book of Judges. Um, I think I'd heard parts of it before. I didn't remember the whole story, uh, but uh, it was interesting to read about and to study. And uh, I think the part that, that kind of got me was it, uh, he was left-handed. I'm not left-handed, but it just... You know, the fact that it says that he was left-handed. So um, made me think of Zane. And uh, not that you did would have done what he did. But anyway, I just made me think of because you're left-handed. So uh, with this lesson, we're, we're briefly going to look at the life of Ahud and discuss a few things we can take from the story and apply them to our lives. Oops, wrong way. Lessons from Ahud. There, it showed up. So the story of Ahud begins in Judges chapter 3 in verses 12 through 14 with the nation of Israel because of their wickedness serving the nation of Moab. And we read there in verses 12 through 14, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Then we go on, we see in verse 15 that Israel, they finally repent and the Lord raised up a deliverer, Ahud. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ahud, the son of Jerah, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. So the Lord raises them up a deliverer, which is a hud, and Israel sent a present to Eglon through a hud, uh, the king of, of Moab, by the hand, like I said, by the hands of a hud. And then we go on and we read in verses 16 through 22, but Ahud made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit, long, a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the queries that, that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ahud came unto him, and he was sitting in the summer parlor, which he had, he had for himself alone. And Ahud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. And Ahud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade, so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. So Ahud, he made a, a dagger, had two edges on it. It was a cubit in length, and he hid that dagger on his right thigh. And why on his right thigh? Well, because he is left-handed. 
is easier to, to draw from here, left-handed, than it would be from, from your, your left thigh being left-handed. And also, most people are right-handed, so he could get in without them really searching that side because they just assume, you know, they're going to search over here because that's where they search. Everybody's right-handed. Um, he went to see King Eglon, who the Bible says was a, a very fat man, and he tells the king he has a secret errand or a message from God. Once he gets the king alone, he seizes the opportunity and stabs King Eglon in the belly and kills him. And we continue to read in verses 23 through 26. Then Ahud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. When he was gone out, his servants came, and when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked, they said, Surely he covereth his feet in his summer chamber. And they tarried till they were ashamed, and behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Therefore they took a key and opened them, and behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. And Ahud escaped while they tarried, and passed beyond the quarries, and escaped unto Sirath. So Ahud kills the king, then as he's leaving, he locks the doors to the parlor behind him, and he made his escape before anyone knew what happened. So the king's servants, they saw that the doors were closed and they were locked, so they just assumed that he was, he was taking a nap. They didn't want to bother him. But by the time the servants discovered the king was dead, Ahud had already made his escape. He was gone. Then we read that Ahud led the Israelites in victory over the Moabites in uh, verses 27 through 29. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down with him from the mount and he before them and he said unto them, Follow after me for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over and they slew of Moab at that time about 10,000 men all lusty and all men of valor and were escaped and there escaped not a man. So that's the story of Ahud. And you think, well, what can we get from that? I mean, we're not, we don't have kings these days. God's not going to send us to go kill somebody. Um, no, it's not going to happen. But I think there are some things that we can take from this and apply them to our lives. The first thing is Avoid the sin, repent, and sin again cycle. We can see this uh, during the time of the judges. Israel followed a cycle of sinning, repenting, and sinning again. You can see the top there. I forget how to use that laser. Well, the top. Peace in the land of Israel serves the uh, peace in the land. Israel serves the Lord. Israel does evil in the eyes of the Lord. God punishes Israel. Israel is enslaved. Israel cries out to the Lord. God raises up a judge. Israel is delivered. And then the cycle just starts over again. Um, if you read through Judges, you'll see the cycle. Is it, like I said, it's over and over again. And then Judges chapter 11, verse, or chapter 3, verse 11, it says, And the land had rest 40 years, and... Othanil, the son of Kenaz, died. So this was before Ahud. So Israel had enjoyed rest for 40 years. 
However, as we, re- as we read in verses 12 through 14, we see that Israel had turned back to sin again and was sold into slavery for 18 years. And then in verse 15, Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard their cry. The Lord sent Israel a deliverer, which was a HUD. And we need to be careful because we can get in that same cycle. We can get stuck in, in that same sin, repent, and sin again cycle if we don't put a stop to it. I mean, you know, there's some things that probably you, probably some sins you commit that you've committed over again. You know, there's some things that you have problems with that you just can't get over, unfortunately. Um, But we can't stay in that cycle. At some point in time, you've got to just completely put it away. Uh, and that's easier said than done. I, I know very well. Do I know? But we need to be careful not to get caught up in it. So day in and day out, we have to work at overcoming sin in order to remain in fellowship with the Lord. First John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, us from all sin. So we need to walk in the light as he is in the light, to remain in fellowship with the Lord. So we need to stay out of dark places. And I don't mean physically stay out of a dark place. You go to the kitchen at night and it's dark. I'm not saying don't get in the refrigerator. I'm saying, what I'm I'm talking about is the dark places that your mind can take you. The places where sin and Satan put out a welcome mat. It can be TV shows, movies, magazines, the internet. Anything like that that can put you in a dark place. We need to stay away from those things. But if we do sin, we need to confess our sin to the Lord and repent. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through chapter 2, verse 2, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the perpetuation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we need to confess our sins to the Lord, so that he can forgive us and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness then we need to work hard to to not sin again first john chapter 2 verses 3 through 6 and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments he that saith i know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of god perfected hereby know we that we are in him he that saith he abideth in him out ought himself also to walk even as he walked. And we're going to jump down to verses 28 through 29. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Ye know not that he is righteous. Sorry, ye know that he is righteous. Ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. 
If we keep ourselves away from sin and keep in His Word, then we can truly abide in Him and walk in the Lord. So imagine this. You've just sinned, okay? And let's say that it's that vice. It's the thing that you struggle with, you've struggled with for years, and then, boom, Jesus comes back again, and you haven't repented of that sin. Instead of sinning and repenting in it from right then, right when it happened, you decide you're ashamed of it, and you're not going to repent at that moment. You decide to wait. Jesus comes back, you haven't repented of that, you know, how are you going to feel about that in that moment? You're going to feel pretty ashamed, aren't you? You're going to feel guilty. You're going to wish you hadn't done it. Um, it. It's not going to be a pleasant time. So we, if we do sin, which we're going to, we need to not put it off. We need to repent right then. We need to be ready to answer the call to deliver someone from their enslavement to sin. The Lord raised up Ahud to deliver the Israelites from the enslavement to the Moabites, and he was successful in doing that. Do you know someone who's enslaved in sin, enslaved to sin? If they're not a Christian, you should be the person to bring that soul, that lost soul, to Jesus. We read in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 16, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. We're commanded to go out and preach the gospel to everyone. You never know how, when, or where God is going to use you to spread the word. There are lost souls out there, and you may be the only one that can reach reach them. But the thing is, you have to be willing to do so. You can't just sit on the sideline and watch everybody else do their thing. You've got to get in the game and you've got to to be willing to find that lost soul and to bring them to Christ and put the work in to do it. Um, What I felt was a good example of this was Philip in uh, Acts chapter 8 verses 26 through 40. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, And like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? 
And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they were to come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So Philip is instructed by an angel of the Lord to go towards Gaza from Jerusalem. So he does. He sees a man there from Ethiopia who is a eunuch of great authority under Queen Candace. The Spirit tells Philip to join the, char the chariot. And Philip doesn't just walk over there. I mean, he, he hurries. He runs over there. Uh, and we... When he gets there, he hears the eunuch reading the book of, his, of Isaiah. He asks if he understands what he's reading. The eunuch says, how can I unless someone teaches me? He wants Philip to join him, so he does. He begins reading again, and he's reading from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 through 8, where it says, He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Which in short, he's talking about the death and injustice of Jesus' life. So Philip asked the eunuch a question. In his, in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? Then the eunuch asks Philip, who is the prophet talking about, himself another man, himself or another man? Then Philip takes the opportunity to preach to him Jesus. He uses this opportunity, he seizes it, and he teaches Jesus to the eunuch. Uh, so they come to water. The eunuch asks if he can be baptized. Uh, Philip says, yes, if you believe Eunuch says, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Philip baptizes the eunuch. Uh, and this is interesting to me. The eunuch goes on rejoicing, but look what happened to Philip. The Spirit of the Lord caught him up. The eunuch didn't see him anymore. So to me, that, I mean, he caught him up. He was, boom, he was gone. And then he's found in Azotus. But he doesn't just stop in Azotus and, you know, maybe celebrate or whatever, you know, a pat on my back. As he passes through the cities, he preaches until he reaches Caesarea, which, uh, from some of the stuff that I read, that's where, that's where he stayed. I mean, that's kind of where he made home, was there. So, uh, we need to strive to bring lost souls to Christ. And when we are successful in that, we don't need to stop. Just like Philip, he didn't stop. He kept going. He kept preaching the word every city that he went to. He didn't take time to, like I said, give him a pat on the back or, or you know, whatever. He, he continued to preach that. And that's the thing that, the biggest thing that we're to do. I mean, that's, a, that's what we're here for. <laughs> to go out and preach his word and, and to bring people to Christ. Now, if, if the person that you know is enslaved to sin, 
you come across someone that's enslaved to sin that is a Christian, then we need to try to restore them and protect them. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such and one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. In James chapter Sorry, I was already on there. James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one converteth him, convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. We need to be there for our brothers and, brothers and sisters in Christ and help them get back on track. Acts chapter 8, verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. We'll skip down to verses 18 through 24. And when Simon saw that through laying on, the, laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. So we see here that Simon, he saw the laying on of hands of the apostles, it gave the Holy Ghost, and he wanted that. He thought that was cool, I want to do that. So he offers them money thinking it can be bought, because, like I said, he wanted to do that. He wanted to be able to receive the Holy Ghost as well. Peter was bold and straight up told Simon his heart wasn't right in the sight of the Lord and that he needed to repent. So Simon, in turn, asked Peter to pray for him. You see, Simon's response was exactly what ours should be if we're called out on something we shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't get defensive when we're doing something in the wrong and we have a brother or sister in Christ that confronts us about it. And they're just, they're just trying to help. So we need to, to listen to them and, uh, like I said, not be defensive. And Christians, Christians should always carry their weapon. Ahud hid his dagger on his person, waiting for the right opportunity to use it. We should always carry our weapon, our sword of the Spirit. Always carry it with us. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to have to do. So we should always carry the word of God with us. You want to physically carry a Bible with you everywhere you go, you can. There is definitely nothing wrong with that. But if you've got a smartphone, there's an app for that. More than one app. Um, if nothing else, keep a Bible in your vehicle. You know, you go places, you'll always have a Bible with you. But we should study it every day so we have knowledge of it, and then it's on our mind daily. And as Christians, we need to always be watchful for every opportunity we have to defeat our enemy. Ahud used the opportunity afforded by the presenting of the, of the present to King Eglon. He got himself in there by presenting a present to the king. He got close to the king by telling him he had a secret errand or message from God. We have a message from God as well. The message is his word, the sword of the spirit. However, this right here, the sword of the spirit, will do us no good if we don't use it or if we don't know how to use it. We need to watch for every opportunity we have to defeat our enemy. We need to look for opportunities to overcome or avoid the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6-9 through 9. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as, such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. James chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We need to be careful in times of distraught, in times of stress and anger, depression, or, or worry. Those can be our dark places. Because these are the times or situations when temptations tend to overtake us. The devil is sitting and waiting for the opportunity to devour you and suck you into his lies. We need to be strong in the times of struggle and say, not today, Satan. I am a child of Jesus, so back off. Then we need to pray, Lord, give me the strength to overcome this and get me out of this situation. So in conclusion, Ahud was a brave man. He was a watchful man. He was a man who faithfully served God and was successful in fulfilling his responsibilities. We need to be that same way. We need to be brave. We need to be watchful of ourselves, of our brothers and sisters, and we need to be faithful in serving God. If we follow the example of a HUD, then we too can defeat our enemy and be delivered from the chains of sin. We need to remember 
to avoid the sin, repent, and sin again cycle. It's something that's not easy to do. Um, but then again, if, if you're in the Bible and you're reading it daily and you keep those things on your mind, this should be easier, easier for us to handle. We need to be ready to answer the call to deliver someone from their enslavement to sin. Whether they're a Christian or a non-Christian, we should always be ready to do that at any time. And as Christians, as I said, we should always carry our weapon, our sword of the Spirit. And as Christians, we need to always be watchful for every opportunity we have to defeat our enemy. You know, Zane gave a, that lesson here a while back uh, that was kind of that same thing. You know, you take your opportunities when you can. You think about the opportunities that you've missed. And then he challenged all of us to, to uh, uh, get a study with someone. So how have we done with that? And that's been, what, two months or more? How successful have we been with that? Let that sink in for a minute. I know it hasn't been successful for me. Uh, I've got some that I think about and would like to get done, but have I done it? I haven't. I mean, I haven't. I got them on my mind. But it's, it's not something that's easy in the flesh when we live by the flesh, but it's something that's easy if we have Christ and we take His yoke, not ours.